Ishvan Morris. Welcome to the latest episode in UCL Grand Challenges podcast series. Today, I am in conversation with Dr. Christine Zain Yao, lecturer in American literature to 1900 at UCL, and Dr. Ezra Horbury, British Academy postdoctoral research fellow in English, also here at UCL. As part of UCL's Grand Challenge of Justice and Equalities, Embedded Inequalities Initiative, they, together with Dr. Ella Metcalf, will be hosting a conference entitled Trans Studies, Trans Lives, Past, Present and Future. This one-day symposium will aim to provide an intervention to tackle the intellectual misunderstandings about trans people and to provide an informed perspective about the identities, lives and rights of trans people in the UK through a combination of multidisciplinary research, biographic and creative work. So welcome to you both. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having us and for supporting us, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So could you maybe start by briefly describing the symposium and perhaps its aims as well? Well, we initially conceptualised this symposium as a response to the growing negative press attention and misinformation that has become very common in particularly the UK higher education sector. There have been a lot of gender-critical material being produced in UK publications lately. Um, The Times had 323 largely critical issues on transgender rights just in 2018. The Guardian as well has been producing a lot of very critical material on transgender rights. And a lot of this material is not very accurate. And we really wanted to produce a space that would address transgender rights and studies in lives in the higher education sector Mm -hmm. that would allow for education and allow for affirmation and to to combat some of that uh, negative prejudice that people are experiencing at the moment. And I'd say that the the aim of the symposium is not just that, but to speak more broadly, not just to academics, but hopefully to bring in staff and students as well, as well as the broader public. Because definitely when I was first talking to Dr. Metcalf about this, we were sort of talking that there tends to be sort of this bifurcation between the very good work that's being done with QUCL, which does um, the academic and research portion about queer and LGBTQ studies, versus out at UCL, which does the social dimension of the LGBTQ Q plus community at UCL and that of course there's some overlap but not necessarily if we can bring all these things together I think it could really help to enrich the community as a whole and so that's why for us it's important not just that we have an interesting slate of speakers as we deliberately looked out for keynotes invited people from a number of different disciplines art history psychology law um, but also that we're trying to solicit people to share lived experiences and creative work because we think that there's many different dimensions to this work that we want to see flourish in this space. Yes, it was very important for us to be able to provide a a space that allowed for academic research that is supporting trans rights and also a a space for student voices who are can feel and be very disenfranchised at the uh, university level and outside the academy. We really do mean that we don't just want academic perspectives. And this was very rightly pointed out on Twitter that the way that our CFP is currently formulated, we do say academic, personal, creative, but maybe just be having academic first is intimidating. I guess already if people are seeing that, oh, this is at UCL, this is a prestigious institution, and then academic is the first word that they see, like it's very easy to be very justifiably daunted by that sort of institutional 
barrier that that presents. And so I really do want to emphasize, and this is something that we'll continue to push in our social media coverage, which is that we do really want your lived experiences, your creative work. We think that that's just as valuable, if not more valuable. You spoke about often very negative stories around trans rights and the the idea of kind of oppression surrounding the community. So what impact do you think that that narrative is having on how the topic is researched in academia? To use a recent example, in it was in December, the, there was a, an article that came out in The Guardian talking about how there was a fear that the proposed changes to the Gender Recognition Act was going to was going to prevent people doing doing research on on trans issues that might be critical of those issues. And the issue here was that the proposed changes to the Gender Recognition Act didn't have anything to do with how the higher education sector conducts research. It was entirely about increasing the ease with which trans people can change their gender recognition markers. And what was a very you know, personal issue and affected people's lived experiences was misrepresented and became a question of freedom of academic speech, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that sort of misinformation and misrepresentation of the problems are the kind of thing we really want to push back against. I, and I, there's a lot of similar things going on in the US as well. Yeah, very similar misunderstandings. Just to go back to the academic portion, what I also wanted to add was I think there's also been a misrepresentation of what the field of academic research on trans issues look like. It sort of negates that there are flourishing journals that are discussing trans issues within queer studies. In particular, there's Trans Studies Quarterly, which is a very reputable, prestigious journal out of Duke University Press, which has been running for quite a number of years. There's quite a lot of excellent scholarship that I think up until very recently maybe has been more North American based, but like uh, Trans Britain just came out last year, I believe. And so my perspective is from someone who up until joining UCL this past year, I was in the North American context doing queer studies. And so the sense of urgency there, of course, has to do particularly with how the Trump administration has been putting LGBTQ people, but particularly trans people under attack about questions of recognition, gender identity, probably the most prominent issue being the question of trans people in the military, which is sort of seen as perhaps the opening into further violations of what is already a very precarious state for trans people who are overwhelmingly impacted by structural violence. And I particularly want to bring up that in 2018, according to the Trans Day of Remembrance, there have been at least 369 reported murders of trans and gender diverse people in last year. Overwhelmingly, these people are people of color, um, often they're sex workers, often they're struggling with mental health issues, with social precarity. And that's there's something grossly unjust just to see such a vulnerable second of the population come under this type of violence and attack. And then so to see it replicated here or like a type of ignorance perhaps being perpetuated here that seems to be oblivious to the very real impacts and dangers to people's lives is something that drives part of the urgency as well as on the academic front of like this misrepresentation of a field of inquiry. Yes, Although the uh, the issue of violence in the UK is not as severe as, as it is in the US, although there are still you know people being murdered every year, trans lives in the UK have become this sort of 
intellectual exercise among parts of the UK higher education sector. And there is this real bifurcation between research, the kind of research Zion is talking about being conducted by trans people that has been going on for decades and the sort of anti transgender research um, other people are conducting and the latter category does not have any willingness to engage with the former or to engage with the real violences and oppressions that people experience and we really want to put more emphasis on the the lives and the research of trans people and bring that to the forefront in what it means to be trans in the UK. To just cite some statistics from Stonewall's LGBT in Britain University report, um, two in five LGBT students have hidden their identity at university for fear of discrimination, and 7% of trans students have been physically attacked by another student or member of university staff in the last year. You know, these are the problems that people are physically living with. These are the things that need to be at the forefront of the discussion of trans lives and, and health in the higher education sector. Yeah, the figures are staggering. Is it the same in the US? Unfortunately, yes. I think that the number of deaths reported worldwide had the US, I think, as the number three country. Wow. In term, it's, it's really, really horrific. I was also just going to say that Obviously, outside of UK higher education, just to sort of underline how prevalent it is, like two in five trans people have had a hate crime committed against them last year. Two in five trans young people have attempted suicide. One in eight have been physically attacked by colleagues or customers at work. And so this is really a transnational issue and it's incredibly endemic in society right now, which I think, again, sort of fuels the urgency of why we think that this event is very necessary. Exactly. Yes. Very pressing societal concern, really, isn't it? So could you maybe talk about how the idea for this symposium originated and how you came to collaborate with one another? So I just joined UCL at the beginning of this academic year. My training has been in Canada, the US. I identify as, or I try to be rather, a cis ally who works in queer theory and LGBTQ studies. And for me, it was very shocking coming into the UK context that Certain norms I took for granted in terms of people's safety and the level of scholarly discourse are completely different here. And I found that incredibly unsettling, unnerving. And initially, I was just trying to reach out to as many people as possible at UCL and beyond that work in the field to try and understand what was going on and to understand like what avenues there were for us to try and create change at all. Part of this had to do with just me sending emails out to the LGBT staff listserv, asking people to explain things to me or asking, like, how can I make complaints or what can I do? And that helped me get connected with amazing people across uh, UCL, like a QUCL, Bob Mills, who was the founder of QUCL, um, members of LGBT uh, Equality Advisory Committee. And that's actually how I first met Dr. Ella Metcalf, because she reached out to me to say that she was happy that I was bringing up all these issues and that we should come and talk. Mm-hmm. And so when we sat down, I had this idea that it would be great if we were able to use our position as academic staff to create some sort of public event and make an intervention. Because, of course, we're not activists on the ground. and But nonetheless, within the, the academy, I do believe that there are things we can do with our position that could be helpful. And Ella's perspective was very useful because she's in math and physical science. She's not actually someone who works 
in queer LGBTQ theory or research, like it's just her lived experience. And so she was able to speak from the perspective of a staff member who's very much affected and has been going to these events, but really would love to have a sense of how the academic research is being done in like historical perspective, for instance. And so we had this idea like, oh, this would be so fantastic. What sort of funding might possibly exist? And then it was just wonderful that the Grand Challenges proposal came up. And then Ezra was actually starting the English department at the same time as me as a research fellow. And I knew that Ezra would be interested and Ezra had already been helping to educate me, particularly about the specifics of the UK context for trans lives and experiences. And so I, I knew that it made sense for the three of us to connect and do this work together. Yeah. Of course. So yes, that slightly touched on what I was going to ask, which is do networks exist already? Are they in place? Is one of the aims of the conference going or symposium rather going to be to build better dialogue and conversations? Because it's not just UCL, it's with academics and students from across London universities. So what exists currently and you mentioned you were quite shocked when you came to the UK is there a more established network in the US? At UCL as I mentioned there's QUCL which does the academic side and out at UCL which does the social side and I think that there's a lot of really fantastic and vibrant events that go on but there isn't necessarily an overlap as I mentioned and there's quite a lot of good work that's being done at other London universities, like for instance, there's Queer at Kings, and you try to have a certain amount of cross-institutional conversation and research. I know on the social side, there's the organization which brings together all the different LGBTQ plus staff groups, for instance, uh, the acronym is LUCKY, and I was able to go one of their events last year, and that was a really great space. But also, again, we really would want it not just to be academic staff, but to students to, to be in this conversation, because of course, the student union at UCL does have a representative, especially for LGBTQ plus issues. And so we would really want it to be a forum where we could all talk together because this community should not be bifurcated according to just what our status is within the institution because it's something that everyone is so affected by. And so that I think the sense of community, uh, if not necessarily formal networks, is something that we're definitely aiming to try and build and improve. And I think that it's also perhaps important for students to see that people at our level within the institution really do care and are trying to do things for them. So it's not just that they're doing advocacy on the ground, but like that we want to be able to say that we're here too and we want to support them and do what we can. Yes, I think that building specifically better relations between staff and students is something we really want to work on. I mean, for me, coming into my my first academic post at UCL, uh, and I was previously doing sort of academic activism work as a PhD student at Cambridge, running the queer cultures research seminars there. I was very aware of the kind of experiences that students had and how students interacted with one another to sort of communicate impressions they experienced with one another. But when moving to a staff position, it was suddenly a very different dynamic. I'd only been at UCL for a couple of months when several students approached me privately to talk to me as about problems they had experienced. And it was clear that they did not feel comfortable articulating those problems with staff members in the current situation. So we really want to build across uh, disciplines, but particularly between staff and students, and to 
show students that they are or they should be accepted here and to, to give them a platform for their voice. So is that the most important impact that you would like the symposium to have? Well, students are the ones who are the most disenfranchised. It is very important that the academic discussion about trans issues isn't just about, you know, academics with permanent jobs mm-hmm. uh, sitting around mm-hmm. congratulating yeah. themselves on how brilliant their research is. Um, we've worked to secure extra funding for travel bursaries for for students so that we can, and for, for low or non-wage speakers. We want this to be meaningful activism and not just intellectualising on the issue. Can you tell us how we can all get involved, um, students, staff alike? Yes, uh, we can. Uh, if you first of all want to submit a proposal for a paper, uh, we're seeking sort of 15 to 20 minute papers on academic perspectives on transness, on autobiographical experiences of transness uh, or creative responses. You can submit a 250 word proposal to the uh, email address transstudieslives at gmail.com. And keep up with that on Twitter at hashtag UCL transsim. Not just if, of course, we would love to have your submissions, but uh, we would love to have your presence as well. Whether or not you can join us in person or online, we'll also try to, I think, really make an effort to make sure that we can live tweet things to further increase access because, unfortunately, our bursaries could only also go so far. But for us, it's really important that we're making this in uh, very intervention very public to try and make a a change in the climate around these conversations. I'd also add that we're particularly interested in getting more submissions by and about uh, BME trans experiences um, that we really do want to also privilege the perspectives and work um, focusing on people of color in the UK. Because to go back to the statistics I was mentioning, like overwhelming the violence that's being faced by trans people are particularly trans people of color. And there's a way that within the LGBT community, people are sort of trying to grapple with the fact that often the public face of LGBTQ rights for any part of the acronym usually tends to be white, which, of course, is not actually representative of all of like the activism that has happened or the communities as a whole. And of course, this is quite an ongoing issue. For instance, like I'm speaking in the U.S. context that Stonewall, the riot, which is considered to have precipitated the modern LGBTQ rights movement was started by trans women of color in particular, and that's something that tends to be erased most famously in the movie adaptation of Stonewall, which then instead had a white um, cis gay man throw the first brick. And so, yes, we would love to have your perspectives. I think we'll be trying to put together a specific proposal so people know that that's something that we're looking for. And to add on to that point about the Stonewall film, this is part of a a recent trend uh, in which we're seeing a, a lot of or a lot more of sort of trans perspectives on screen, but it is always in this co-opted sort of cis-washed presentation where we have people of colour replaced with white actors. We have trans roles almost exclusively taken by cis actors with recent works like Dallas Buyers Club and The Danish Girl. And you know, people are very willing to take an interest in trans issues if it can be presented in a way that garners money and prestige, but none of these works actually have trans people in them at the centre. And we have similar problems occurring in historical works. There's a a recent work on James Barry, who is a sort of proto-trans man, you you might say. It's problematic to 
apply these terms retroactively, but uh, a text arguing that James Barry was simply a, a cis female gender warrior. And we really want to put trans perspectives in the, the centre of these narratives. Mm-hmm. And to truly take trans lives seriously, because I think there's also something very disingenuous whereby these trans roles are always being offered up to famous cis actors. And it almost seems like one of those guaranteed tickets to getting an Oscar nomination, right? Almost like a box ticking exercise. Exactly, a box ticking exercise, but it's like an easy prestige move, which is often, I think, based off of these very sort of exploitative ideas about like, oh, it's going to be such a challenge to their acting to try and be a trans person, as well as like a sort of fetishization, I think, of trans suffering, which is something that like award shows really love. Great. And the symposium will be held on the 25th of May here at UCL. Yes. Yes. And it will it will be a free event. We want this to be a space to promote community and not just research. So it's easy to get to. It's in the, in the centre of London. Um, perhaps to just list some of the speakers that we already have lined up. We have keynotes by Professor Stephen Whittle, who does law at Manchester Metropolitan, Dr. Meg John Barker, who's in psychology at Open University, Robert Mills, Professor Bob Mills, that is, um, who does medieval art at UCL, Professor Anne Hillman, who does Victorian literature at Cardiff, and Professor Susan Rudy, who does contemporary literature at Queen Mary's. And it will be catered also. So again, yes. like we're not expecting people to just soldier on I'm stoically sure the whole day. The yes. yes, like <laughs> hopefully that will help to sustain people, but not just in terms of community, socially and spiritually, but also physically, there will be food. Yes, come for the activism, stay for the free yes. food. And on that note, <laughs> um, thank you both very much for joining me today. And I'm um, really looking forward to the symposium. Thank, yeah, you. thank you so much, Yvonne. Thank you for our challenges. Thank you.